the accompaniment with the piano. We don't say it, we apologize, but we thank the Lord for the talents he's given to each one. Turn to John chapter 3 this evening. John chapter 3. And what you're going to note here tonight our 16th article of faith, the new birth. And in my studies, it, uh, as I came across this and comparing it with our articles of faith, it spoke about the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit of God, and it reminded me of that song that we sing, uh, and the chorus is, well, I'm sure you'll know it, but I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. Well, it says in the third verse, I know not how the Spirit moves, convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through the Word, creating faith in Him. And that's the truth of it. We don't know how the Spirit moves. His his movement is undetectable, but the results of his movement are detectable. And that's what we see here in the new birth. And this is a subject worthy of many messages. Can be, if you pardon the expression, it can be taught from different angles, looking at different things about the new birth. But we're going to try and include much of it and in our message this evening. As far as I know and am concerned, this is the greatest text regarding the new birth here in John 3. And the Bible here, and as we said before, people say, well, what must I do to be saved? We said, well, just tell them what Acts 16 says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And that's true. And you can see here again that Jesus reveals uh, more regarding salvation and what it is. You see, salvation, as I've always said or, or feel, and this helps my understanding, perhaps it will yours, but salvation is an umbrella term. New birth is a term referring to salvation. Deliverance refers to salvation. Redemption refers to salvation. You see, salvation covers all of these. We are delivered from the penalty of sin. We are redeemed from the law. We have our sins remitted. We are born again, and each one of them shows a different aspect of salvation, but the term salvation covers them all. And so, and people say, well, what happens first? Are you regenerated, or are you born again, or, you know, what, which one happens first? They all happen at the same time. You're delivered from sin, your sins are remitted, you're redeemed from the law, and you're saved from the wrath of God all upon the moment of conversion and belief. And so people try and draw lines and different things like that. Well, there's no need for that because it all happens together. But here in John 3 and verse 1, no doubt you're familiar, in fact, this was the text of the second message I ever preached here. Because we preached on this subject in, in, uh, when we came down in lieu of a call in March of 06. We, and the title of message was Salvation, Spiritual Birth, or Easy Believism. And that's the difference. It's kind of like I said not long ago. You got that fellow down in Houston who said, If you pray this prayer, we believe you're born again. That's easy believism. And that's not what the Bible speaks of. The Bible speaks of conviction under the preaching of the Word of God and conviction by the Spirit of the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches. People who have no sense of sin and then pray a prayer and now they're saved, they've never come under the conviction of God. That's what easy believism is, and that's not what salvation is. That's not what new birth is. And we're going to show you that this evening in these things. John 3, and I'll actually read it, beginning at verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, or Master, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, 
He cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now I'm going to stop there, and you know what later on Jesus goes and he teaches. Now the Bible tells us here regarding of this man Nicodemus. Now Nicodemus, we do not know whether he ever trusted in the Lord or not, but it does tell us this, that he was there when Jesus was embalmed or when they wrapped him in, in, in clothing, in the grave clothes, he was there with frankincense and myrrh and spices to anoint the body. John 19 tells us that. And so people say, well, he must have been saved. I don't know. That may be an indication that he was. But what we have here is that this one by the name of Nicodemus came unto Jesus. A, and this Nicodemus, he was a Jew. And he was also of the sect of Pharisees. You remember the Pharisees? They were ones who were all about the law and keeping the law. And they really thought that they were in God's kingdom. They were expecting a, 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 a warrior king, a warrior messiah to come and get rid of the Roman yoke and the Roman rule about them, that they would be able to return to their old ways. And Jesus tells this Jew and this Pharisee something regarding the kingdom of God. He tells him in verse 3, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now that's amazing, because you have these Pharisees, and they really expected to see Jesus or their Messiah, rather, coming down out of heaven in full armor array and dispelling the Roman Empire from their land. Well, the Bible tells us, and if they were such scholars of the word as they thought they were, they would have realized that their Messiah had to die, that he had to be crucified. And so Nicodemus, Jesus tells him this example, he said, except a man be born again, he won't even see the kingdom of God. Well, that must have threw Nicodemus for a loop because he thought he was in God's kingdom. He was a Jew. But Jesus here is referring to a spiritual kingdom. It's kind of like, folks, you can't be in this world unless you're born into this world. And you can't be into God's kingdom unless you're born into it. And I believe that. And I'll not go into the family of God, the kingdom of God, and the church of God, but I'll tell you this. You're born into God's family, just like any family. You're born into it. There's no other way into it. And the Bible shows us these things. And so you find, and the Lord spoke to Nicodemus. And you see, here was this man, and at this time I believe Nicodemus was lost. I don't believe he knew the Lord as his Savior. But we find that he was a ruler... And yet he was one who inquired with the Lord regarding salvation. Now you look at these things, and particularly here in verse 4. Here you find Jesus said, except a man be born again. And what, what did Nicodemus say? He said unto him, verse 4, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? So he didn't know. He didn't know how to be born again. You see, Nicodemus was thinking on a carnal and fleshly level. That's where he thought. That's where lost people think. And the new birth, and I'll give you this before I forget, the new birth and regeneration are the same thing. Because that's what regeneration is. Generation is life. Regeneration is new life. That's new birth. So anytime you hear someone speak about regeneration... They're speaking about this new birth. 
And so we find here that the Lord uh, was speaking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was thinking on carnal levels. And you know what the Bible says about that. It tells us that God's word is a spiritual book, and it cannot be discerned, be discerned, it cannot be understood with a carnal mind. It's discerned by the Holy Spirit and Him speaking to our spirits. You know, I didn't understand the new birth until it happened. Neither did you. You don't understand God's works. It's kind of like, again, the, that psalm, that hymn that I quoted to you, or I didn't quote it, I don't have memorized it, I read it, but it said, I know not how the Spirit moves. He didn't know how it happened, but then he comes to the course and he says, but I know whom I have believed. Boy, I tell you what, there's a lot of things we don't know and understand about the work of God, but we do know the Lord. And the Bible tells us all about this. You know, that's a serious problem with folks. You can't go by feelings. People always want to go by feelings. You can't go by that. You have to go by God's word. It's like some folks, they get upset and they say, I didn't feel right about carrying out church discipline. Well, your feelings don't matter. It's what God's word says. That's what it comes down to. And if your feelings aren't in agreement with God's word, then guess which one's wrong? It's your feelings. And so that's the problem. People always want to feel right. And they want to feel good. And they would if they felt along with God's word. But here we find in the scriptures that God tells us. And my first point this evening is this. That the new birth is imperative. Or the imperative need of the new birth. Jesus says here in no uncertain circumstances. And very clearly three times. He said in verse 3. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. And so Jesus tells us here twice, I'll get to the third in a minute, but he tells us here twice, Verily, verily, which means truly, Truly. And so Jesus puts a double emphasis on this truth. He says, truly, truly. So he lays a double emphasis on it. And then he says this, except, except. And I'll get into that in just a moment. And you hold that in your minds. We'll return to that thought in just a minute. But in verse 7, and I've got a book in my library upstairs here. And it says it's called the musts of the Bible. And this is one of them. Because Jesus said, ye must be born again. Verse 7. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. And verse 8, he describes the work of the Holy Spirit in the new birth. But we want you to look at here is that Jesus said this. Ye must be born again. Now why? Why must? We be born again. Well, it goes back. And if you remember in our articles of faith, it returns back to the fact that man was created. God generated him. And what happened? He sinned. And he died. And so he must be regenerated by God. That's the new birth. God generated man. And man sinned. So in order for man to enter into fellowship and communion with God, he must be regenerated or born again. This is what the Bible tells us. Now, more specifically, if you would, turn to John chapter 8. Now not everyone agrees with this, and that's fine, but I'll tell you this. This is how I read the scriptures, or how they read to me, and how the Lord speaks to these things. Why must we be born again? To enter into the kingdom of God. Well it's because we're not in God's kingdom. Well what kingdom are we in? We're not in limbo. We're not drifting between a kingdom. We're in one. 
Before God saved us, what kingdom are we in? I believe we're in Satan's kingdom. And I believe God bound the strong man and he comes in and he spoils whom he will. Look here in John 8 verse 44. Jesus speaking unto these and he tells me, he says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Jesus told him, he said, you're of your father, the devil. Well, I'll tell you what, he was my father until the Lord bore me again and he became my father and until he adopted me and became my father. Look over in Ephesians chapter 2. Why must we be born again? Well, in order to gain entrance into God's kingdom, God said that this new birth is the entrance. It's the way into his kingdom. And so here we find here in Ephesians 2 and verse 1. Oh, you know, some folks, they think that, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just not in any kingdom. I'm just waiting for God to save me. Well, I don't think the scriptures speak to us regarding that, but I'm not going to debate with anyone. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. Here the Bible shows us, and it says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Now that's the devil. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the lust and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now you look at that and you remember what I've said before about fathers and children. Children act like their fathers or mothers do. They act like their parents. And you read this. Does that have a description of God in there at all? Certainly not. It's a description of all rebelliousness against the Lord whom Satan is the chief person involved in that. We acted just like the devil. We disobeyed God, we rebelled against him, we sinned all we could, we looked after sin, we did all we could to not have God over us. That's what the Bible speaks of. Look over in Colossians, in the book of Colossians chapter 2. This will be our last verse. I'm not going to, or I apologize, Colossians 1. I'm not going to continue on this thought. Again, we said I'm not going to debate with people about it. But I believe this. Why in the world must must we be born again? Well, because we have to get into God's kingdom. Well, there's only two kingdoms. There's God's and there's the devil's. Here in Colossians 1, the Bible tells us. It says here, verse 13. Who hath delivered us from the power or the authority or the kingdom of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So you see, he took us out of one and put us in his own. Boy, I tell you, that's what the Lord does when he bears us again, when he makes us his own children. It's kind of like the children of uh, God, the children of Israel and Egypt. They were in the kingdom of the devil, the kingdom of the world. That's what Egypt was symbolic of and what God do. He delivered them. He saved them. Took them through the Red Sea. There on the night of the Passover as well. With the shedding of the blood and putting all upon the doorposts and the lintel. God passed over and they went out. Passed through the Red Sea. God took them into a new kingdom. Took them into Israel and gave them a new land. But here the Bible shows us that this is why we must be born again. Because we're not in his kingdom. And in order to enter in, we must be born again. Now I want you to look here at this word except. We said we would return to it, and so we shall. The Lord here gives us a marvelous teaching. And you know what the word except means. It means unless. It means unless this happens, it doesn't matter. Unless you're born again, Nothing else matters concerning entering into the kingdom of God. Jesus said two times, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, 
Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 5, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There was a rich man, a rich young ruler. The Bible tells us in Matthew 19, and he came unto Jesus, and he said, a good master. He said, what must I do to inherit or have eternal life? You know what Jesus told him? He told him, he said, keep the law. And and he looked down at the law. And he told him about the commandments. And he said, I've done them all. And Jesus said, yet thou lackest one thing. You know what he told him? He said, sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. And come and follow me. And that rich young ruler, he went away weeping because he had much goods. What Jesus shows us here, and he went on to say after that, he said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now what was Jesus teaching there? He was teaching us this, that the new birth can only be done by the miraculous power of God. You take a camel and a needle in its eye and try and put it through there, it'll never happen, but God can do it. But the Bible and what I want to focus on is Jesus said, except you're born again. Those riches couldn't put that young ruler in the kingdom of God. In fact, they were a hindrance to him. Keeping the law couldn't put him into the kingdom because Jesus said, yet thou lackest one thing. He lacked the new birth. He lacked spiritual life. He lacked regeneration. And you read about that in Matthew 19, verses 16 through 26, as the Lord gives you opportunity. But we find here, and a lot of folks, they've got morals. I've got some very good friends of mine. They've got real good morals. They've got religion. But they don't have Jesus. They don't have the new birth. And you know they don't have entrance into the kingdom of God. Because they haven't been born again. Jesus said, ye must be born again. Except, he said, you can have everything else in this world. You can own ground. You can have money. You can have a posterity of children as far as the eye can see. And none of it matters as far as salvation. None of those things will put you into the kingdom of God. Not a one of them. It's a new birth. Jesus said, ye must be born again. That speaks of necessity. You know what must means. It has to happen. In order to enter in the kingdom of God, ye must be born again. There's no other way. Jesus said, I'm the door. Or in any other door. He said, he that climbeth up another way is a thief and a robber. He said, only the sheep enter in through the door. Secondly, We have labored on the necessity of the new birth. But secondly, we want to note how are we born again? Or how does the new birth come to pass? Well, I believe we have the answer in our text of John chapter 3. The Bible begins and Jesus gives a rather uh, short but very informative discourse. John 3 and verse 5. Jesus answered. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now Jesus gives the description. And what a description he gives in order that he might show the similarities upon that of the natural birth and that of the spiritual birth. Now you know, and the Lord tells us here, and I believe that in order for this new birth to take place, that the seed must first be sown. Kind of like, again, Jesus is comparing natural birth and spiritual birth. 
And in both of them, even in the virgin birth of Christ, a seed was sown in the womb of Virgin Mary by the Spirit of God. And that's the same way with any of the children. A seed must be sown. It's implanted. And it's implanted by the Father. The Heavenly Father implants the seed through the operation of the Spirit of God. Now the Bible tells us, and if you look with me in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, I know you're familiar with what Paul wrote there in 1 Corinthians, how that he said that uh, I believe it was Apollos planted, Paul watered, or Paul planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You know, it's kind of like several things. You know, you go out to plant a crop. You can have the best soil. You can have the best seed. You can water it with the best water there is. You can fertilize it, and it'll never come to fruition. Why? Because even in that, God must give the increase. It's kind of like parents. People who want to be parents, they try and they try and they try and they try. And they get on these fertilization drugs. I'm not saying anything against them. I'm just saying they get on there and they never have a kid. Why? Because God never gave the increase. But what I want you to note here is this. First of all, a seed must be sown. Now here in Mark 4, I'll not read all of it, but Mark 4 and verse 3, it says this. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And you know what sowing means. The only thing I have to explain, I think everybody here has been involved in farming once or twice in their life. But you know what sowing is. They're planting the seed. And then verse 13 and 14. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. That's what the seed is. It's the word of God. And so what we find here in the spiritual birth is the ingredient is the word of God must be preached. Matthew chapter 13 verse 37 tells us that the sower is Jesus in this parable. You know how Jesus sows today? Through the missionary work of his churches. That's how he sows. That's why I said, go ye into all the world and preach or make disciples. The world is the mission field. That's why we call it a field, because we sow a seed in it. It's kind of like I heard one church, can't remember it is, but I'll, you go out the front door or wherever it's at, it says you're now entering the mission field. The mission field isn't Thailand or Burma or, or Singapore. It is, but it's as soon as you get outside this door. It's in your own family. It's in your own kin. It's in your neighbors. That's the mission field. And you plant the seed. And the Bible tells us here, and I leave the reading of the parable to each one of you, but he tells us that the seed must be sown. And then he tells us as well, the seed must be watered. The Bible tells us, if you'll refer over to Psalms 126, Psalms 126. You know, you can't just put a seed in the ground and hope that that'll be that the Lord or it'll grow after that. We've got some responsibilities that God has entrusted unto his people and his churches. And in Psalms 126 and verse 5, it says, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth. Bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You want to know what the watering of the seed is? It's the praying for that soul. It's the praying for the effects that God would make an effect upon the seed sowing. Not only that, but it's the continuing visiting. You know, it's kind of like we learn about those. Those who preached before. You know what do they do? They go back and they water the seed. They preach the same truths over and over and over again. Some folks ask you to pray for them. Pray for them. 
Somebody asks you about salvation, show them what the Bible says. That's sowing the seed, that's watering. It's the same work altogether. But I'll tell you this. As we said, and you can turn back to our text of John 3. Unless God gives the increase, it'll never come to fruition. Now you know that. We're not silly. But we know that God must give an increase. You, again, you can plant the best seed in the world, water with the best water, have the best ground there is, and nothing will come forth. It all depends on God's will. But you know, it's like Paul said, God gives the increase. He said, I water. Apollos planted, I water. We could make it grow, but we could plant and we could water. That's what God has given us. That's why the Lord in parables, he referred to us as husbandry men or husbandmen. And how he had a vineyard. And we were responsible for that vineyard. But I tell you what, if you understand farming terminology, you've already got an advance into the parables of the Lord. Because there's a lot of me talk one about unless the grain or the grain of corn or the grain of wheat die. It won't bring forth anything. What he was talking about was unless Jesus, he, the Messiah, had to die. And if you think about that, the corn, when they plant corn, that seed, it dies and brings forth life. I didn't understand that. I, I, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know how that corn worked, how it grew. But I tell you what, it's an amazing thing. We did plant some once, and we put seven kernels in the ground. And that one area, that one area, it yielded six ears of corn, which wasn't too bad for our backyard. Maybe that's not too bad for any corn. I don't know. But you know how many from seven kernels, how many kernels came forth on an ear of corn? That's what the preaching will do. You preach and it brings forth, you plant seven seeds or whatever, it'll bring forth more than that. Because God... When you reap, you reap more than you sow. That's how the Lord blesses us. But I want you to take note of this. John 3 and verse 8. The increase comes from God. The Bible tells us here in John 3 and verse 8. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Now hearest the sound thereof. But canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You nor I see the actual Spirit of God. It's kind of like people say, look at the wind. You can't see the wind. It's invisible. You see the effects of the wind. You see the leaves blowing. You see the wheat bending. You see the corn bending. You see people's hair move. But you do not see the wind. And we do not see the Spirit of God we see the effects of the Spirit of God. We see the new birth. We see the things that take place because of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That's why it's so imperative. Those who are born by the Spirit, that's why it's imperative not to grieve Him and as well that we do not quench Him because He is the source of spiritual life. And boy, I tell you what, we need him. We need the Spirit of God even after we're saved. We need him to assure us. We need his word. We need him to do everything. Thirdly, I want you to note here, as we move along, turn to the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. You know, God spoke on the new birth in the Old Testament. See, the Jews were saved the same way. People say, oh, they were saved by keeping the law. No, they weren't. They were saved by grace through faith. And the Bible shows us here in Ezekiel chapter 36, and I'm not going to spend time reading this entire section for lack of time, but I do want you to take note of this. The Bible shows us here, and it tells us in verse 22, Therefore, say unto the house of Israel, 
Thus saith the Lord God, I do, do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name, and which was profaned among the heathen, which ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen, and gather you out of all countries, and will bring you into your own land. Now I'm going to stop there for just a second. That sounds like the new bird, doesn't it? He's going to take him out of other countries, other kingdoms, and put him in where he wants him, in his own. But you know, he speaks of a sanctification. He's going to set them apart. He's going to clean them. That's what a birth does. It takes them and it sets them apart, puts them in a new place, and they clean them up. Look at verse, the next verse, verse 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you. Now remember that. And ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. Now note, a new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you an heart of flesh. That's the new birth. The Bible says that behold all things are new. That we are new creatures in Christ. It's in our articles of faith. It's right in the paragraph. New birth speaks of all things being new. Jesus told the Jews, he said, I'm going to give you a new heart. Doesn't he give us a new heart? Don't we love the things that we hated, hate the things that we once loved after God saves us? He says he's going to give us a new spirit, going to put a new one within us. Doesn't the Holy Spirit take up dwelling place in our hearts when he saves us? My, the Lord spoke of the new, new birth in the Old Testament as well. But I want you to know, fourthly as well, this evening... What does the new birth consist of? Now you remember that. In fact, let's read it. Verse 25 of Ezekiel 36. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and ye shall be clean. Now over in John chapter 3 and verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now some folks say, and they believe, I, I differ, but they say that the water speaks of the natural birth, how that a woman, her water breaks. And so in order to be born again, one must be born physically and then spiritually. Well, the Bible, as I believe here, I believe this water speaks of none other than the Word of God. You know that the Word of God has a cleansing effect. We come to God's house. Jesus told his disciples, you remember how he washed their feet with water. He gave them the example of humility when he did it, but he was teaching them. And remember, Simon Peter said, don't wash my feet, but my whole body. He said, you don't need to be washed your whole body. Again, you're saved. But you need the filth of the word washed off from you. That's what God's word does. That's what happens here. Now, you all think back. Remember what it was before the Lord brought us here and you only had services on Sunday to Sunday? Remember how, and I'm sure it was, grudgingly to make it through the week? But I tell you what, we need, all need our Wednesday night spiritual baths to get through the rest of the week. And I've been and had services. You know, we cancel services sometimes because of weather or, or providential hindrances. It's a hinder to our spiritual life without that spiritual bath. I believe this water here speaks of the word of God. Ephesians 5 and verse 26, if you allow me to read that to you, it tells us there, Ephesians 5, 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So God, and this is in reference to the church, he washes the church, with his word, cleanses it with water. And boy, there is water involved in this natural birth. Water involved in the spiritual birth It's the word of God. Nobody will ever be born again without God's word. And then the Bible tells us as well, 
in 1 Corinthians, and we'll not turn there, but I'll give it to you this. He says this. And when he was comparing, and he compared to those who were saved and those who were lost and those who would enter into the kingdom of God, he said, and ye are washed. Ye are redeemed. Ye are sanctified. He was referring to God's people. They'd been washed. They'd been born again by the word of God. Next, what does this, uh, does he say? He speaks of the spirit. Well, this spirit is the work of the Holy Spirit. And again, we already noted that, and so we'll note it briefly. Without the Holy Spirit doing his office work, God's word will not bring about salvation. Now, God's word never returns to him void. It never does. But it only brings about salvation under the work of the Holy Spirit of God. That's the only way it will happen. Fourthly, and I want to, for each one to take note of this, if you will, and, and just, just bear with us here. We have a couple things to note. And turn to Isaiah 53. The work of Jesus in the new birth. And I picked this up from the Bible teacher down at Louisiana. We went down to Denham Springs. He brought a lesson. His daughter had just had a baby, and they had another newborn in the church. And he began to think about the new birth and all the travail and the pain that the ladies went through, and then they had their babies. Well, look here in Isaiah 53, and this is the same book. Jesus quoted it. And Philip preached Jesus to the Ethiopian eunuch from this very chapter. Isaiah 53 and verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Now note, there verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. Now the Bible speaks regarding childbearing, how that there is sorrow. In fact, God told Eve, he said, I'm going to give you seed, you're going to bear children, but it's going to be in much sorrow. He multiplied her sorrow. The Bible tells us in Hosea chapter 13 and verse 13 that there is travail. It speaks of women being in travail. And that speaks of birth. We're going to run to John 16, but bear with me for a minute. In Isaiah 53 and verse 3, it says, He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows. Now that's Christ. He's the man of sorrows. And in verse 11, it said, He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be justified. Now you think about what some of the ladies went through, and you've been there. Those of you who are fathers already, and they're in great pain. There's great travail, great sorrow. And you know, Jesus didn't have any painkillers. You know what his painkiller was? It was his children who he was going to bear. Now you look in John chapter 16 with me. There's sorrow in childbirth. And you remember the sorrow that Jesus went there at Calvary that he might pay for our sins so that we could be born again. He was beaten. He was spit upon. He was mocked. He was scourged. He was whipped. He was forsaken by his own disciples. He was forsaken by God the Father himself. In fact, the Bible says that the darkness came upon the earth for three hours. God turned his back on the Lord Jesus. He had to forsake him because our sins were laid upon him. Here in John chapter 16, and note verse 21. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man is born into the world. That's exactly, that's why they call them bundles of joy. When after the birth and the labor is over, and they lay the child upon the breast of the mother, 
She weeps in joy. Jesus bore tremendous sorrow at Calvary. Look in Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And verse 2. You know, Jesus was determined to go to the cross. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. It says here, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, that's the spiritual birth, the birth of his children, that was the joy, that was the prize at the end of the tunnel. For that joy, he endured the cross. He endured the nails in his hand and his feet. He endured the spear in his side, which by the way, water and blood came forth. And he endured all of that. He endured the forsaking of the Father for the joy of the new birth of his own children. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Despising the shame means this. He thought little of what he went through for his children. He thought little of it. And that's what mothers think of after it's all done. They think very little of the pain they went through for the child. To be honest with you, the way as I understand it, the pain's only begun. I think that's how God might feel with us sometimes after he bore us again. And the pain's only begun. But the joy, the new birth, all the anguish that he went through to give us spiritual life. Psalms 22 and verse 6 will not turn there, but Jesus said, I am a worm. And it's in reference to the canker worm or the scarlet worm. And I'm told that this worm, it locks on to the side of a tree or something. And it dies, giving birth, and it covers its new, its newborn uh, canker worm or scarlet worm. It covers it in red blood-like substance. I'm told that's what Jesus, or the psalm in Psalms 22, which is a messianic psalm, was in reference to. It was in reference to Jesus said, I am as this canker worm. I'll die and cover my children in my own blood, that they might have life. Lastly, in conclusion, man's part in the new birth, he plays no part. He is only the recipient. Like the children that come forth, what they do to be born? Not one thing. Not one thing. Jesus did it all, and all to him I owe. So may, this is what we have, what we believe. About the new birth. Well I tell you that's something. And that that thought there. It really impressed me there. About Jesus and the travail of his soul. But he was satisfied. With the travail. Because it brought forth. Eternal life. For his people. So may God help us to see all of these things. We want to stand. We want to go to the Lord in prayer. Before I forget. If anybody needs me to pick up anything for the fellowship uh, suppers, please let me know. I'm going to the store tomorrow. And also, Friday evening, if you do not have plans, what we say, about 6? About 6 o'clock. I've rented the new fair building, Brother Gail and I. We're going to cook hamburgers and hot dogs. It's for the church family. If you've got plans, we understand it's very late notice. But we're prepared. The only thing you need to bring is a drink. We've got hamburger, hot dogs, chips, and, and, and uh, chip dip and things of that nature. And it's just for us, for our family. If you have uh, some boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever that it may be, uh, unless you're already married, don't bring them. But uh, you can uh, feel free, invite them. There's no preaching. We're just going to get together and eat. And then there is uh, Brother Dodson will be in late Friday. I don't know if he's going to be at the supper or not. He said he didn't think he'd be there by that time. But then there is the fireworks. If you like to go see them, they have a decent show. Pretty, actually pretty good here in Caldwell. So 
We want to invite you if you can make it. Uh, just show up at 6 o'clock at the new fair building around that time. And we've got burgers and hot dogs uh, for everyone. And so we wanted to relay that to you. And, and we hope you'll come. If you can't, we understand. We know, as we said, it's late notice. But everyone's invited. We don't feel bad if you can't make it. We'll just pick up the slack and have some more to eat. So, But be in prayer for each one. And again, remember Brother Dotson as he comes this way. That's a long trip. That's a very long trip. And he's a little older than I am. So you be in prayer for him, that the Lord will help him, him and his wife, as they come this way. Brother Gail, if you would please close tonight. Send that.